0: What a great time to worship God together. I'm so excited that you've joined us today and believe that God has something very special in store for you and I as we open God's Word together. But I want to let you know about something really important that's coming up. Next Sunday, August 9th, we're kicking off these things called house parties. Now, in season two of our church, we are gathering together in person. And we're not doing it on Sunday morning, but we're gathering in smaller groups. So... Next Sunday, here's what I would love if you would do. If you feel comfortable, would you open your house and invite some friends and family to come join you for one of our Sunday morning or Sunday evening or whatever time you choose to do it on Sunday worship experiences. Maybe you want to invite some friends over to your house and watch the worship experience and then eat lunch. Do that. We would just love for you to not just watch it by yourself, but if you feel comfortable, if you're interacting with people, invite some people over to your house and do a watch party together, in person. We're calling those house parties. If you want to do that, just go to propelchurch slash house parties, and we would love to resource you with that. Now, I believe that you're watching this message for a reason today. Today, you have an incredible opportunity to hear from one of my friends, Mike Moore. He's one of our leaders in our student ministry, as well as a trustee here at Propel Church. He's been a great friend for many years, and I can't wait to see what God does as he opens God's word with you. Let's check it out. Hey, what's up, church?
1: My name is Mike Moore, and I am privileged to be one of the student leaders and volunteers here at Propel. Man, I got to say, I'm excited, and it is an honor to be here just to share with you what God has been putting on my heart here in this season and I don't have to tell you, I think we all know that there's a lot happening. There's a lot of wild things happening in 2020, and and there's a lot of distractions and extra noise. And and one thing I've learned is that if we're not careful, the distractions will actually drown out the voice of God in our life, especially in a season like we're in. That's at least how it's been for me. However, recently, I did have the opportunity to go and get away to the beach with my family, just had a time to recharge and reconnect And I gotta say, it was pretty amazing. Normally when we go on vacation, you know, we we stay busy, we're we're going to all the restaurants and we're we're going to the amusement parks and we want to go get donuts and ice cream and and we're trying to fit all these things into a short period of time. And we often come back feeling more exhausted than before we left for vacation. But this time was completely different. Because of COVID, we we didn't really do much at all. We we stayed at the condo pretty much the whole time and Anytime that we weren't in the condo, we were sitting on the beach, just enjoying the, the nature and the ocean and the sand and, and each other's company. And it, it, was, it was truly amazing. And I honestly think it'll probably change how we vacation from here on out. Um, anyway, I, I made a point to, to, like I said, I had to, to feel like I needed to reconnect. I was, I was feeling distant um, in my relationship with God since the pandemic started. And so I made a point to, to wake up before everyone else every single morning, go out on the beach with just a cup of coffee and my Bible. And, and man, it was amazing. Like If I could wake up on the beach with coffee and Bible in my hand every morning, like that would be the life. And so anyways, I, I think God rewarded that. One of the, the days that we were all out on the beach together as a family, my oldest daughter and I were, were playing in the ocean and we were, we were jumping waves and just having a blast up until something brushed up against my leg. Now we weren't in deep waters. The water was only about to our knees, but the water was so dirty and cloudy I could only imagine what was swimming around around us, right? Like, was it a bunch of jellyfish? Was it a shark? Maybe it was just some seaweed. Regardless of what it was, in my mind, I began to freak out about all the things that I couldn't see or the things that I couldn't control. And then I look over at my daughter, and she's still just like playing, like having a blast, no care in the world, like she's jumping and screaming and laughing. And in that moment, I I felt God impress on me that there's no reason for me to feel anxious about the things that I can't see or control, but instead I should trust his promises. You see, he, he can see what's happening. He, he is in control. And, and it was crazy because as I began to process that, at first I was like, yeah, but, but God, I'm about to die. There is like a sea monster lurking around right over here. And, and I was freaking out, but but as, as time went through and I began to process what, what God was showing me in that moment, I decided to go ahead and just ask for forgiveness for not trusting in him, and for allowing the worry and the anxious thoughts to kind of consume me in that moment. And what happened was, was that the unknown and the uncertainty and the worry of the ocean around me completely went away. And it's as if God was using that moment to remind me of something much larger. It's that, that our anxious thoughts go away when we're in close proximity to Jesus. You see, my, my daughter was holding my hand right next to me and, and she was not worried at all. She was, didn't have a care in the world. It's because she was close to me, her earthly father. In her mind, daddy was in control and there was nothing to be worried about. In the same way, when we're close to our heavenly father, there's no room for worry or anxious thoughts because his perfect love and peace overpowers all of those things. I think it's safe to say that right now, a lot of us are feeling worried and, and we're having more anxious thoughts than maybe we ever have. And, and if I'm being honest, it's kind of understandable, right? I mean, like I said, there's, there's a lot happening to, for us to worry about. Like We're worried about the direction of our nation and we worry about the things that we can't control. And our, I mean, we're having to make decisions for our families that, that we thought we'd never have to make. And can I just say that regardless of the decision you're having to make for you and your family, like it's okay. Like every family out here is making the best decision they can under their circumstances, based on their family dynamic. So if the decisions you're making for your family look different than someone else's, like don't worry about like that. That that is okay. And and so as I as I begin to to think about the season that we find ourselves in, and again just process all the things that God was showing me uh, at the beach that day, I can't help but think about the prophet Habakkuk and. And the similarities of what Habakkuk experienced in his time are very similar to what we're experiencing now in 2020. And so to kind of help put things into context, Habakkuk was, was a prophet, but he was a little different than a lot of the other prophets. You see, most of the other prophets spoke on behalf of God and, and accused Israel for, for their uh, evil ways and their, their uh, lack of faith and for seeking after and, and following other false gods. But Habakkuk is more of a conversation between him and God, and it's almost in the form of a poem similar to the book of Psalms. So I want to start off today uh, by looking at Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see the evil deeds? why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. So during this time that Habakkuk was around, Israel was filled with this violence and and destruction and division between God's people, and Habakkuk is like, hey God, what, what are you doing? Like, don't you see what's happening? Like, how long are you going to allow these things to happen? I love that that it starts off in verse one. It says, how long must I call for help? Like, this tells us that this isn't the first time Habakkuk has prayed this prayer. He's been seeking after God and asking God, like, hey, God, what are you doing? Where are you for a while now? And we don't necessarily know exactly how long, but, but we know that this isn't the first time that he's prayed this prayer to God. And he's waiting for God to respond. And, and I think that's a lot of us right now like, hey, God, don't, what's going on? Like, don't you see what's happening in our world and in our nation? Like, God, if you're so good, why are so many bad things happening right now? Like, what are you doing? Like, God, I had plans. Like, I was going to go off to college. I, I was going to finish my doctorate this year. But now, because of COVID, my plans are completely messed up. God, what are you doing? Where are you? I just want to say that that right now, the world doesn't need more complainers. The world needs the hope of Jesus. So, as followers of Jesus and as people who bear the, the the name of Jesus and walk around with that, it's extremely important how we respond to different circumstances that we find ourselves in in this season. I want to take the rest of our time together, looking through the rest of Habakkuk's dialogue with god and and see exactly how He responded, because I believe there are three things that we can learn from that. And then I also want to share with you some practical steps on how we can respond to some of the hardships that may be causing us to worry in this season. The first thing that we can learn from Habakkuk is that God is moving. So in the first few verses, we see that that Habakkuk is is concerned and and crying out to God because he's he's saying, hey God, where are you? Where are you? All these bad things are happening. But then in verse five, it says, the Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed. For I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. So Habakkuk is crying out to God, and it's all this violence and destruction and division, and and God's like, hey, I'm doing something. In your own day, I'm raising up a nation, even more wicked and evil than you, to come and take over the lands. Like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, like, that's insane. Like, have you ever been there? Have you ever got something going on and you're, you're trying to be obedient and you're you're praying to God but it doesn't go down the way you thought it would or or you're seeking answers from God and you're praying and you're praying and you're seeking after him and things seem quiet and, and you don't hear from him but but then when you do get clarity you're like yo God why, why'd you do it like that like isn't there a better way if you look in John chapter 5 we see that Jesus is being harassed by the Jewish leaders for for Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath and in verse 17, it says, Jesus responded, my father is always working and so am I. You see that? He is always working. Not just, thing when, not just when things are, are going good and perfect, but even in the good times, in the bad times, regardless of what's happening, Jesus tells us that his father God is always working. Jesus was constantly doing things that wouldn't have been expected by the people of his time. In fact, if you look through the life of Jesus, you would see that a lot of times his response was the complete opposite of what the culture would have approved of or expected during that time. So I just can't help but wonder, like, if God was working in ways that that didn't make sense in Habakkuk's time and, and Jesus was doing things that weren't necessarily expected but were for the good of other people during his time, is it really that surprising that God could be working in a way that doesn't line up with our preconceived notions now? Like, God is moving. Whether we see it or not, God is moving. We have to have faith, and we have to trust that. The second thing that we can pick from Habakkuk is that is that we have to be patient. I mean, we love being told to be patient, right? Like, come on. like So God tells Habakkuk that, that he's working in the midst of this enemy nation coming and taking over the land and Habakkuk's like, "Ah, time out, God. Like I, I got I got more to say here. Like like are you sure? Like surely this isn't the end for your people? Like like I hear what you're saying, but like God, you are our Lord. Like you are our rock and our savior and our redeemer. Like having an enemy nation to come and and take us captive and destroy us, that doesn't line up with your character of love." But once again, we see God respond. Picking up in chapter 2, Habakkuk 2, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed so in the next few verses, God is going to be giving Habakkuk this vision as to how he's going to be working through the Babylonians and how ultimately he's going to destroy the Babylonians, but there's this process that goes with that, right? And so so before he tells him about that, he, he says, hey, even if it seems like it's going to be taking a while, like, I've got this, like, it won't be delayed. I need you to be patient and wait. So what I love about the end of that verse where it says it will not be delayed is that for God to say, hey, it's not going to be late, it's not going to be delayed, that means that he knows exactly when it is going to happen. To know that if something's late or not means that you know when it was supposed to arrive. So God knows when his promise is going to be fulfilled. He just asks us to wait patiently on that time. I heard this analogy a while ago, but, but imagine an infant crying in their crib. It's in the middle of the night. I wake up, they're screaming, they're crying. They don't know what they want. They don't know what they need. They just know that that they need something. Like they're in this weird area and it's dark and they're probably hungry. They probably want some comfort. But in the meantime, the, the parent is in the kitchen preparing a bottle. And, and I don't know if you've ever had to prepare a bottle in the middle of the night before, but in the middle of the night, when you're heating up this water and to, to heat up the milk to prepare the bottle, man, that is like the longest three to four minutes ever. But in the meantime, the kid is still in there crying and baby doesn't realize what's happening or what's going on. And they're screaming and they're wondering, like, where are you? Not realizing that the person who loves them is just in the other room preparing exactly what they need to make them okay. I think that, that that's a lot of us right now. We're, we're crying and we're waiting and we're wondering, like, what in the world is going on? Like, we've got our hands out to our Heavenly Father and we're asking him to come and to help us and, and to help us understand, like, why he's not answering and why are we experiencing these, these hardships and this uncertainty? We're full of worry and anxiety and stress, but we have to have the faith that he's still here preparing exactly what we need. It may seem like we're waiting forever, but God knows what we need and when we need it more than we do. In the same way, a parent knows what an infant knows what they need. See, God has already given us a promise. He sent his son Jesus to die for you and for me so that way we could be saved by his grace and live with him in eternity. John chapter 14, verse one, Jesus is talking. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, why would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. So Jesus is about to be tortured, ridiculed, hung on a cross and executed. Definitely not what the disciples had in mind, especially since Jesus had been walking around for the last three years talking about how he was building up a new kingdom. What Jesus was teaching and preaching didn't match up with what the disciples had expected. You see, Jesus was talking about this earthly, this heavenly uh, kingdom that was going to happen and and be, be set apart and holy for us in the next life but the, the disciples were all just assuming that there was gonna be this new place here on earth and they weren't focused on the right things. You see, Jesus promises is that, that there's already a plan in motion. He's preparing it. And when the time comes, he will let us know. <clears throat> just like God told Habakkuk, if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for surely it will take place. It will not be delayed. In this season for us to have patience, we're gonna to have to focus on God's promises. The third thing that I have that we can learn from Habakkuk is that we have to give praise. So before we jump into the the third and final chapter of Habakkuk, we got to understand that Habakkuk has been crying out to God, wondering why he's not answering. God answers, but in a way that's totally blowing Habakkuk's mind, that that doesn't make sense. God explains everything and says, hey, you're going to have to be patient while I'm doing my thing. So Habakkuk very easily could have just completely like, left God and said, you know what? I'm gonna try this on my own because your way sounds terrible. But that's not what we see. When we look in chapter three, verse one and two, it says, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. So he's gotten all this like pretty crazy news and there's a lot going on, but he chose to sing praise to God in the midst of that. It says, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with all by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Habakkuk goes on and he continues to praise God for all that he's done up until this point. He, he thanks God for, for rescuing the Israelites out of Egypt, for sending all the plagues to, to go towards the Pharaoh and for, for parting the Red Sea. And then he, he sings that he will wait quietly for the day that God destroys the Babylonians that are coming. Even when things seem empty and fruitless, he will rejoice. So what changed? Did a circumstance change? Not hardly. God was still going to work in a way that was not ideal for the Israelites during that time. The only thing that changed for Habakkuk is that he started to focus on the promise and not the problem. We're not called to praise God just when things are going well. Like, Like we're called to praise God regardless of what's happening because of who He is, right? Like, doesn't matter what our circumstances look like, like whether things are going good or bad, it's irrelevant. Like, sure, it's way easier to give praise to God when things are going great. True faith is tested when we see how we respond in the bad times, in the valleys. Will we praise Him when we're full of worry and stress and anxiety? See, what, what happens is that a lot of times we'll cast all of our cares and, and our frustrations on God, and, and that's okay because he's big enough to handle, but, but that's not where we stop. We, we come to God with our worries and our concerns, but then we praise him for what he's done. When we do that and we begin to give thanks for what he's done in our life, it makes it easier to remember all the things that he's done, and it will give you courage and, and encourage you to, to trust that, that he hasn't brought you this far, just to stop now just to leave you here now so just to kind of decompress I mean we, we've we've kind of gone through three chapters in, in a pretty short period of time so so in the book of Habakkuk we've learned that God is moving we have to be patient and wait on on God's timing and and we have to give praise to God but but what does that look like like what does that actually look like like how do we actually make that happen in our lives in the middle of a global pandemic or in the middle of a bad doctor's report or in the middle of, of an addiction? I've got good news because the Apostle Paul has some really good advice for us. You guys ready? Come on, I know we're we're working through screens here and we're working remotely, but like I can hear you guys screaming yes through your screens right now because you are ready, you are excited, and you are engaged, and I love you for that. Come on, so Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says... Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> So Paul is telling us that we shouldn't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Like So in the moment of, of, of worry or we begin to feel anxious about something, our immediate response should be to pray. And I'm not saying that we should go and, and spend the next two hours in our prayer closet with God. And, and now if, if you're being led to do that, by all means, if you have the ability to do that, absolutely do that. But when you're driving down the road or when you're at work, when you're at home fixing dinner and the kids are running around and it's loud and you're just concerned about all the things that are on your plate that you have to worry about the next day and all the things on your to-do list that you have to do that's causing you just to freak out a little bit inside. Just stop and talk to God. He already knows our thoughts. He knows our heart. But when we begin to talk to him about it, it shows that we're actually leaning on him and depending on him to help us in times of worry. I love that it says, it says, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Just like Habakkuk, he said, hey God, here, here's what I needed, but but I'm gonna praise you while we're waiting. So tell God what you need, thank him for all he's done. But look what happens, it says, then his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So our minds and our hearts are, are actually guarded by the peace of God in these moments. So the next time anxious thoughts start to come, it's going to have a harder time penetrating our thoughts and and, adjusting our actions and and making us react in ways because we have been been, uh, guarded with the peace that comes with Jesus. Now, let's be clear. Paul's not writing this letter sitting on top of a rainbow next to a unicorn eating ice cream, although if he were, he would totally be eating the chocolate cookies and cream because that is like the most ball and ice cream that's out there. If you don't believe me, you gotta go try it. No, like Paul is writing this letter and these instructions to the Philippians in the middle of a jail cell. Like Paul is writing this from experience. He's not saying like, hey, this is something you ought to try and you know what, it might work for you, it might not, who knows? No, no, he is living this out. He can't help but to tell people about the peace that he's experiencing in the middle of his circumstance. Just like God didn't remove Habakkuk from his circumstances, and just like God didn't change his mind about sending his one and only son to die for us so that we could have new life, the circumstances didn't change, his posture towards God did. Paul's not done though. <laughs> he's got even more. He, and this is, this is where it gets really practical for you and for me. Philippians 4, verse 8, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So if you're not experiencing the peace of God in your life, ask yourself, what are you fixing your thoughts on? Paul tells us in in 2 Corinthians that we have the power and the authority to take every thought captive. So ask again, what are you fixing your thoughts on? Are we spending more time watching the news and scrolling mindlessly for hours on social media? Are we reading memes that's kind of funny, but also bringing more anxious thoughts because they're kind of true and scary all at the same time? If you're not sure, or maybe you honestly don't know how you spend your time, take a moment and just look at the, 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 uh, the thing on your phone where it shows the, the screen time usage, right? Like, whether you're Team Apple or Team Android is irrelevant. Like, there's an app or a setting that shows you how much time you spend on each app on your phone. And since we carry our phones with us every time, it's a pretty good indicator of how much time we're spending on each individual thing. You see, the average adult spends a little over two hours a day on social media, for teenagers is closer to three hours. And and that number has increased every every year for the last several years. And some of us, it it may not be social media, it's Netflix or Hulu or or video games, whatever it is, you you probably know. What we fix our eyes on has a direct correlation with the amount of peace we experience. What we fix our eyes on has a direct correlation with how much peace we experience. You see, I want to challenge you this week to do something that may seem a little radical for some. I want you to try to deactivate your, your social media for a few days. I'm not saying delete it, because right now in the midst of social distancing, we're, we're using social media platforms to communicate and, and give a lot of good information, and, and so that, that would be a little much, but, but just deactivate it or step away for a few days. If that's not something you think you can do for whatever reason, Try something a little more practical. Try taking the the app that you use the most and literally move it to somewhere else on your screen. But replace it with the Bible app. You'll be surprised how many times you just randomly pick up your phone and just start scrolling just to see it. What you'll do is you'll subconsciously go to that place where you always go to, whatever that app is, but this time you'll see the Bible app. Just open it up. Every time you you wanna just go and, and scroll or do whatever that you're doing on your phone, open up the word of God. I'm not saying spend hours in reading it. Again, if you can, great. But if you're just gonna look at your phone for a second, just read one verse. If you don't know where to start, the verse of the day is right there on the front page. Read that every time you open your Bible. You may be saying, but Mike, like it seems kind of silly to read the same verse over and over. That's literally how you meditate on God's word. Digesting his word, same verse every single day for a period of time. And God will begin to speak to you. I believe that when you do that, you'll begin to feel a change in your heart. You'll feel the worry and the anxiety and the stress and the depression or the anger or the hurt. All that will begin to fade away as the love and the peace of God comes rushing in. God is moving. Our faith is being tested. Will you choose to believe that God knows what he's doing? Will you wait patiently on the Lord? Will you give him praise in all circumstances? I believe there's a lot of us here that, that for some of us, we've been pursuing God for a long time. But because of the culture and because of the circumstances, <clears throat> circumstances we find ourselves in, we've been overcome with worry and anxiety. And again, we're human, and so it, it's okay. But, but I just want to take a moment to pray for you. God, we, we thank you for, for this opportunity to come together, whether it be remotely watching from a, from a house party, God, or, or from, from an online watch party. God, we, we know that wherever, wherever they are, wherever we are, God, that, that you are with us wherever we go. God, I pray that the uncertainty of of this world and the worry and the anxious thoughts that are plaguing the people, God, that you would remove those. God, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice would be overcome by your love and your peace here in this moment. And that, God, that they would remember that you were with them and that you were for them and that you have a plan and a purpose for their life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I, I also recognize that that some of you that are watching may not have a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, I need you to understand that, that God loves you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life as well. There's no past mistake or decision that you've made that disqualifies you from his love. He is waiting for you with his arms wide open, waiting for you to run to him, to trust in him, and to believe in him. Scripture tells us that that if we confess with our lips and believe in our hearts, that Jesus is king, that we will be saved. And so if that's you and today is the day that you want to decide to have a relationship with Jesus and begin that journey, I wanna walk you through this prayer. Repeat this with me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I put my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.